start in John chapter number one. You all know the verse. Bible says, but as many as received him, Jesus Christ must be received, to them, that would be those that received him, gave he power to become the son of God, the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Being born of God means you've received the power of God. It's only by his power that we can be born again. There's nothing within man that can save man. The power doesn't come from us. It comes from God. You may be pow- you might be powerfully wealthy here on earth. That's not going to do it. You might be a powerful influence amongst a religious denomination here on earth. That's not going to do it for you. You might be a powerful player in the world of humanitarian efforts and funding them. That's great, but that's not going to do anything for your soul. You can be on a quest to save everything on this earth that's going to pass away anyway. You just don't have the power to save your soul or my soul or anyone else's soul. God said in John chapter number one, he, it's his his power. Romans 10. Another familiar verse. Bible says in verse number three of Romans 10, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness. And that happens all the time, every day, every month. It's non-stop. People try to establish their rights. Well, I joined a church, so therefore I have the right to the throne of grace. No, you don't. You need to be joined to Jesus Christ and you need to be baptized into his body. And it's only by his power that that will happen. We'll never establish our own righteousness. Verse number three goes on to say, here's why they establish. Here's why we establish our own righteousness. We have not submitted themselves under the righteousness of God. Being born of God means we understand and we help people understand, lost people, that the power comes from God. We have no power to save ourselves and we have no power to establish our own righteousness. We fool ourselves. Well, not we. We're, I trust we're all here this morning saved. This world, this lost and dying world deceives themselves when they think in their mind, look, I can just establish myself. There's three reasons why Only God can provide salvation. Number one, our fleshly carnal nature has nothing good in it at all. This is why one of the text verses that we use is, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Look, beyond giving a lost person your testimony, if you don't know where to go in the Bible, that's a pretty good verse to start with. I mean, that's easy. Everybody can relate to that. Why? Because we're not picking out anybody's specific sin. 
We're just saying, look, the Bible says all of sin. And I might list off a bunch of sins and, and maybe this person hasn't committed any of, the, uh, any of those sins. They might think they're, they, they've got their own righteousness. I list off another set of sins. And maybe this person, oh, you know what? Yeah, I haven't done any of those sins. In their mind, that might help them establish their own righteousness. I'm just telling you, the people that are caught up in these crazy, what you would call devil cults, Luciferian cults, Look, they're on their way to the same hell that the person that is trapped in religion and they're in church every Sunday trusting in their good works. We have this idea that we got to dig up all this bad stuff about all these bad people doing these bad things that the devil's making them do. Yet we fail to see what's right in which right in front of us. Religious people trusting in their good works. Yeah, people that you would trust, your kids, people that you would trust to watch your kids, those people that are trusting in their own goodness. Our fleshly nature, the wages of sin is death. That's why we all die. But the gift of God, what is it? It's a gift. Our flesh has nothing good in it. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. Doesn't. That's why, look, we get, we got a shower last night, or we got a shower this morning, and we brushed our teeth this morning, and we combed our hair, and we put on deodorant, and we made our, we got our nice clothes out, and we, we got our shoes shined, and we, we did everything that we could to make our flesh look and smell good. And we come here and we sit and we get along. But we all know that in our flesh dwelleth no good thing. That's why we put so much time and effort into keeping it and, and, and all that. It's a body of death. And in it dwells no good thing. We need, we need the only way that we can be saved is through the power of God. Our flesh cannot do it because it has nothing good. Ephesians 2. Ephesians chapter number 2. What a, what a reminder here. Look at verse 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Dead in sins. Number 2. We're in a time past to walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. You know who we serve? That prince. The power of the air. When we were children of disobedience, dead in sin. Look at verse 3. Look how we live. Among whom also we had our conversation in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Dead in sins, children of disobedience, our nature, our nature, we're a child of wrath. There's nothing, there's nothing good in Prior to coming to Christ. 
But God, look at that. Don't you love verse 4, how it starts? But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. Man, I'm telling you, isn't that a great passage of Scripture to bring somebody? Ephesians 2, you show them in verse number 1, and verse number 2, and verse number 3. You really let them have it. You're, you're nothing. And then verse 4. You have them read verse 4. I mean, have them read the first two words like two or three times. But God, but God, but God, but God. Man, that's powerful. You mean God would love me? Yeah, yeah. This is what I'm trying to get you to see. How wicked and vile and filthy a sinner you are. You got that? Okay, yeah, I got that. I got that. Yeah, I, I deserve hell. Okay, look how much God loved you. Man, that contrast when a lost person gets a hold of that. I mean, that's what we want. We want them to get a hold of that. And then verse number five. Uh, Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace you're saved. Whose grace? God's. Freely given. No strings attached. You don't call the hotline number and they send you out a free set of knives and then you're on auto ship for something else that you didn't realize. It, that's not God's grace. No strings attached. You know why you can't clean your life up and then come to God? And you know why we need to continue to let lost people know that, look, don't think you're going to go home here and, and turn for, turn from doing some of your sins and somehow clean your life up because of verse 5 is God said even when we were dead I just don't want to come to church I just don't know if I'll be good enough no none of us are good enough that's why we're here we're not coming here saying we're better than we're coming here saying We've received the power from Almighty God, and we realize where we were and where God brought us. Dead in sin. By grace you saved. And watch where God puts, puts us and put any lost person that trusts him, hath raised us up together and made us sit in heavenly places. That means we don't sit in the seat of the scornful. Bless. Ungodly counsel, we don't enjoy that anymore. Bless. Bless. Verse 7. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Anytime someone tells you, yeah, but I did, or I have, or I think. But God says, by grace, by grace, by grace. That's what we have. False religion customers. 
I mean, I'm just, I, I've got no interest in any of these world, from the worldly music to the worldly uh, movies to the, to the, to the worldly music, like all, all, all that stuff. I know that it's so bad and so wicked. It's not even, if you tell me, oh, yeah, I just heard that such and such did such and such. My, my, my thought, my response would probably be, I, I okay. What, what did you think something else would come out of that crowd? I'm telling you, that's not our problem. Our problem is that we have failed to see the good people that are trying to establish their own righteousness through good works need the same saving gospel that all the folks that are coming out of Hollywood or fill in any other, you know, vision in your mind that you would put there that would say, man, that's real bad. <laughs> we got to stay away from that. Yeah, no kidding. Like, who goes there? But will we go to the religious person? Born of God. No works. You know why? Verse number nine, lest any man should boast. You think these people worshiping the devil and this satanic crowd and this atheist crowd, and this God-hating crowd and the LBGTQIQ, whatever crowd, do you think That there's anything in them that's trying to boast before God of their goodness. They, they hate God. They hate him. I mean, that's a Romans 1 discussion right there. They're not trying to boast to God. They hate him. I'm talking about the crowd, which is the majority of people that are boasting to God because of their good works. like all the conservatives that we would watch from the news channels that are Jesuits or Roman Catholics or patriots that say they love God, but it's a God that they've established in their mind that is going to accept them because they're not a liberal. A God that's going to accept them because they're not a Democrat. You might be able to boast about that down here, but not before God. Look at verse 10. Watch. This is why it's the power of God and our flesh can do nothing. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus under good work which God has ordained we should walk in them. God created our new birth. We are a work of God. Yes, we're created by God, but we're in Adam. We die. In Christ, all are made alive. Who did that work? Who did that uh, that supernatural spiritual birth? God, the power of God. Number two, go to First Corinthians two. First Corinthians chapter two. 
we have to understand as well that unsaved, unregenerate men cannot understand spiritual truth. We're putting a lot of spiritual truths, connecting a lot of dots this morning. But you have to take our time with lost people. And it says in verse number 14, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. And and we say, well, I know that. That's an easy one. That's Bible 101 stuff. But we can't forget, the lost person, they don't know this verse. They don't know it. So what do we have to do? Approach them with the understanding that they don't know it and take our time. Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews. If there was anybody that should have been able to very quickly understand spiritual things, you would think it would be Nicodemus. Come on, he knows. He knows the Old Testament, but he didn't get it. Jesus had to take some time with that. Lest us not forget. A lot of people know Jesus as a rabbi. They know Jesus as a teacher. They know Jesus as a miracle worker. Matter of fact, they can't wait for him to show up at their party so he can turn water into wine. I mean, look, everybody believes in some type of Jesus. But to really understand spiritual things, got to come from God. Power of God. You wonder why, I tell you, John 3 and Nicodemus is the answer to why a lot of powerful rulers down here on earth don't know God. Why? That they are a natural man, they receiveth not the things of God. You know, Elon Musk is devoted to the advancement of humanity. You know how? Through technology. It's amazing what that man has been able to accomplish. But he has systematically eradicated the thought that the accomplisher isn't him, but Christ who created him and gave him a mind and gave him the ability to think and gave him the health to do it. He doesn't pray. You know what he worships? The universe. That's a Romans 1 discussion right there. We don't worship the creation. We worship the creator. That's a discussion we need to have with lost people. You know how many times Ben Shapiro has been confronted with the gospel? By many Christians, apologists, pastors. And he'll sit down and love it. Uh, he'll have a very cordial and professional conversation about. Now, praise the Lord for it. Seeds have been planted. But come on. What are we dealing with in this one? We are dealing with a lot of rulers that have a lot of knowledge about Jesus as a rabbi, Jesus as a teacher, Jesus as a miracle worker, but not Jesus as Lord. You know how many Christians hail Matt Walsh? What is a woman? What is a woman? And that whole thing. Man, that's, that's great to watch. And everything he says, we would, we would agree with. Except you know what Matt Walsh is? He's a Roman Catholic 
who believes in salvation by faith and works. So we, well, Baptist church, amen. You know what we believe? Faith alone. That means faith plus nothing, minus nothing. How many of us have said that term, that phrase? Good people who are doing good things for humanity. Do you pray for those men? If you met those men, would you just rally around the conversation? Hey, man, great film. Hey, man, great talk show. Hey, man, thanks for the car. <laughs> I really... Or would you say, look, there's a power that you haven't received yet. It's a power from God. And I'm talking about a spiritual birth. There's a lot of rulers like Nicodemus that need to hear the gospel. I think it's great that Jordan Peterson isn't an atheist. He's not out of that. He's out of that now, apparently. And he believes that God created Adam and Eve. At least that's what he says. But does he really believe that we are all inherently evil because of the sin nature that we have inherited from Adam and Eve? Or does he just believe that the world is evil and wrong and that therefore influences us to do wrong? Better be real careful on stamping someone as a Christian who thinks psychologically he's figured out that the world is evil, but he'll go as far as to say he'll leave it at that. But, okay, is man inherently evil? There's a big difference. There's a big difference. Hey, I could just blame the world. He'll say that Cain's problem was his environment. Will he say that Cain was just a sinner and regardless of his environment, he would have sinned? Because by nature, he's a child of wrath. We must, as Christians, help people see that they individually are evil. There is nothing good in them or in their flesh. And their only way and hope of salvation is by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only way. It doesn't matter how powerful of an influencer you are nowadays. Jesus is the only way. The Bible is literal. The Bible is 100% accurate. And the Bible is not a book to formulate psychological ideas and use it for that. The Bible to believe. I'm not looking at Christ from a psychological perspective. I see Christ as real. I see his book as divinely inspired and we must, we must compel men, no matter how rich and powerful they are as rulers and influencers, to see Christ as real. Then they'll have the joy of salvation. Mark 10. Look at verse 15. You know what gets in the way? Pride. Verily, verily, Mark 10, 15. I, uh, verily, I say unto you, 
whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter in. Pride keeps a lot of people from receiving God's grace. Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. Look at verse 17 in Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is where? In them. Their own vain mind. Because of the blindness, not of their eyes here is described, but their hearts. That's why they can see the same words we see in God's holy book. But their hearts been blinded. Who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. The ego of man, the greed of man, the blindness of man's heart, and the vanity of his mind causes him to not understand spiritual things. You and I are doing that this we are doing that lost person a disservice if we don't give them the benefit of the doubt. But let, me, let me rephrase that. If we expect them to understand spiritual things right like this. Some of you have been saved 20 some of you have been saved 50 plus years. I understand that this Sunday school lesson really isn't grand and new information. Most of it's probably, yeah, duh, I know that. What I'm trying to offer this morning is they don't know that. They don't know what you know. They don't have these verses written in their heart. Just because we know it and it's old hat, <laughs> they don't. They don't. People get intimidated by public ministry, but it's really the same questions over and over again. And it's the same message over and over again. I mean, unless you want to get derailed, and sometimes that's fun to do, but I, I mean, it's the same gospel message. Same message. Second Timothy 2. Second Timothy 2. Verse 7. What's our prayer to them as we speak with them? 2 Timothy 2 verse 7. The Bible says, consider what I say. And the Lord give thee understanding in all things. God's got to open up their eyes and hearts. Praise the Lord. So number one, nothing good in man. We know that. Number two. Don't expect a lost man to understand spiritual things. That's a time with him. Number three, only God, only God can offer the free gift. 
it says, thanks be unto God for his, his unspeakable gift. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Only God can give the gift. Go to John 3. Last verse. When you're born of God, when a person is born of God, they're assured by God that they are eternally secure. And religion for our flesh is much, much different than salvation for someone's soul. And we'll never find assurance in religion. Never. When I was steeped in religion, I never had assurance of heaven. Basically, all religion, all religion says the same thing in different ways, but the, the conclusion at the end is the same. I'm just trying to die good. And John 3.36 says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. That would be life that doesn't end. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. You won't find one verse of scripture that says you must be born again, again. You're not going to have a second birth, a, a second time, a third time. It's you're born again and that's it. Everlasting and eternal means you don't have to do it again, which would also mean you're eternally secure. Go back a, a page and you'll see John 3. Uh, look at verse number 14. And Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whosoever believeth in him might lose it and have to earn it again. No. Whosoever believeth in him, what? Should not perish. Well, I don't understand what that means. Okay, comma but have eternal life. If you don't understand what not perishing means and, and having eternal life means, then maybe we need to start back and understand what words mean. People try to redefine words. The Bible context is real clear. Power of God that gives you the second birth, keep you from perishing, and you'll have a life that's eternal. You won't lose it. You ever buy a car that's got an eternal life warranty? You might get three years. Pay more, you get five. That's it. Go to John 10. John 10, look at verse number 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, that they shall never perish. Okay, we've got eternal life. Okay, I understand. I won't perish. Watch what else Jesus says. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. It's eternal. You're not going to perish, and nobody's going to pluck you out of God's hand. Praise the Lord. Go to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. 
verse number nine, that thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be what? Saved. Saved. You're saved. You're saved in Jesus. You know what else you are? You're sealed. Go to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. Look at verse number 30. Ephesians 4 verse 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Why? Whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. You can get apples to last a long time if you put them in a jar and you vacuum seal it. We're sealed. We're saved, we're sealed, eternal, everlasting life, never perish. Go to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. Watch what it says in verse Second uh, Timothy chapter one. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded. That I am able to keep. That my good works are able to keep. That my religion or my denomination or my preacher. No. I am persuaded that he, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. We are kept by God. We are saved by God. We have eternal, everlasting life, and we won't perish because of God's power. First Peter 1, First Peter 1. Look at verse number three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Look at this. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. You're not, it's not going to fade away. You're kept by God. Go to second. Timothy, go back there. Should have looked at that before we skipped the first Peter. But look at 2 Timothy. Look at verse chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 18. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 18. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work, and he will do what? He will preserve me, where? Unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. We are preserved. By God. Should have put that with the sealed verse. Sealed under the day of redemption. Praise the Lord. Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10. Look at what verse 14 says. For by one offering. He hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. I'm not perfect. I can't get to heaven. I know. You know what God did? He perfected through the Son. 
stay, seal, preserve, perfect. And you cannot be separated from the love of God. That's Romans 8. No one's going to pluck you out of the Father's hand. You will not be separated from him. Go back a few pages to Hebrews 7. Hebrews 7. Look at verse number 25. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. God is able to save whosoever will. He's able. Souls matter. Too much emphasis is put on physical needs and physical care. How about soul care? God is able to save. Consider what I say, and the Lord give the understanding. 